okay, if we are going to put out an investment opportunity, it has to be as low risk as possible and safe and someplace that people just feel good about putting their money so that they don't have to worry about that piece. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey everyone, Annie Dickerson here together with my co-host Julie Lamb and today we have an extra special episode for you. Today we have with us our Director of Investor Relations and Operations, the one, the only Whitney Hutton. You guys have heard Whitney on a previous episode, but Today, we're going to flip the tables and Whitney is going to be our guest host in a sense, and she is going to interview us. So Whitney, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is such a privilege. (laughs) I'm excited. This is going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Whitney, we we wanted to have you here because we wanted you to sort of be in the shoes of our investors and our our audience and our listeners and to ask us the questions that they're not able to be here to ask us. So we're excited for you to pick our brains. Yes. And I came prepared. I actually went to our investor base and asked what questions they would like to ask you if they could be Mm -hmm. here live. So anyways, you guys ready to get started? Let's do it. Okay, perfect. Well, I think one of the things that our investors really want to know is just like, how did you guys get started in real estate? What attracted you to real estate and what just kind of kicked off this journey to get it? Julie, you want to start off? Sure. Yeah. So I got started investing in real estate. Gosh, I have to get used to saying 11 years now because before I was saying it's 10 years and then now it's 11 next year will be 12. But anyway, uh, in 2009 and was just doing the traditional, you know, you're supposed to get a job, get married and buy a house. And so that's what we were doing, my husband and I. And it just so happened that it was the perfect timing. It was 2009, bottom of the market. Nobody was buying here in the Bay Area and everything in Oakland, which is where we bought, was like 50 50% off of what it was a year and a half before. So it was like the perfect time for us. And so we ended up buying that house. We ended up house hacking and really discovering the power of having, you know, someone else pay down your debt and really the leverage. And that's so much of why we love real estate. And that was kind of our introduction to that. We started buying more properties between 2009 and 10. And then we started to exit out of those properties as the market cycle started to kind of recover a little bit. And I thought, oh, the end is near the top is here in like 2013. And of course, that's, you know, I didn't know anything about market cycles, how long they last and all of that kind of stuff. And we started selling now in hindsight, I wish we held on obviously to that condo that we sold in 2013, but we didn't in any way. But that became sort of the transition, if you will, into trying to understand, you know, now I have this money, what can I do with the money that I got from the equity? Just pure appreciation. And what can we do with it? And I wanted to do something with it that would allow me to, you know, have it serve me in my life today. I didn't want it to reinvest it into some asset that I would hold for 30, 40, 50 years and then retire when I was like 60. And that's when I discovered out-of-state rentals. And I started investing in out-of-state rentals and for this novel thing called cash flow. And in the Bay Area, even though we bought it at such a discount, cash flow didn't really exist. I mean, we were might have been break even a little bit 
bit more than that. And so started investing out of state and cash flowing rental properties. And that was great. But if I really wanted to have my money work as hard as it could, I needed to find a way to scale. And so that was when I discovered multifamily syndication and jumped headfirst into that, you know, became very passionate about it as many do when they discover multifamily syndication and fell into that world about four years ago. And then moved over, started out as a passive investor, moved over to an the active side about eight, nine months later, and then met Annie at a real estate conference. And yeah, the rest is history. And then here we are now. So that's my background. Awesome. Annie, what about you? Well, it's eerie how similar Julie's and my experience is, even though Timing we only met each too. other. Yeah. yeah only, even though we only met each other maybe, what, two, almost three years ago now. Mm-hmm. But all along, we were doing pretty much parallel <laughs> things at parallel times. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, so I got my start in real estate around 2008. And same thing sort of fell into it. I'd like to say I had this master plan and that's I knew. <laughs> that someday I was going to be this real estate tycoon, but no, real estate was never on my radar. I lived in apartments all growing up. My parents had never bought a home. I never even knew how the whole process worked. But right out of college, my husband and I got married young and then we did the thing. We were like, okay, now we're married. Let's buy a house. We Similar, we were going to go buy a loft or a condo, something trendy. And then our realtor, thankfully, a few years ahead of us, he talked us into something more sensible, which was a row home in D.C., which was where we were living at the time. And I will never forget it because we actually found the that row home, that first investment property because of a passive aggressive argument that my husband and I had. <laughs> I remember you telling me. Right. Yes, yeah. that's right. Because one night we were we were looking at all these houses, couldn't find the right one. And then one night he was out with his friends later than he said he was going to be. And I was like, where is he? Where is he? And I couldn't fall asleep. And so I was like, ah, oh, fine. I'm going to look at houses. And I opened up my computer. I started looking at houses. And I saw this one. I was like, oh my gosh, this could be the one. Like, look at this. This is exactly what we're looking for. It's got the basement in-law suite. It's got a beautiful upper unit that needs a little bit of work, but not too much. And so he came home and I was like, honey, look what I found. You know, it wasn't like, ah, where were you? So we went to look at that property and it was as our realtor had told us, he said, if you play your cards right someday, this could be cash flow positive. And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but we just, we didn't even have a spreadsheet. We were just like, if we bought it for this much, the mortgage would be this much. And yep. I think we could rent it for this much. And I think that could work. So funny. We did the same thing because we didn't really know. We were like, yeah. well, as long as we can cover the mortgage and, yep. you know, maybe play the appreciation game in a few years, maybe, but yeah, yeah. it's so funny. Yeah. That's oh, exactly my goodness. right. <laughs> You know, I'll start with you. Kind of walk me through how you made this transition from active to passive. Like what was, and not just so much like the metrics and the numbers and how it all, you know, potentially makes sense, but what the mindset shift here. Yeah. So this is where Julie's and my story differs a little bit because I think Julie, you went from the active to the passive. I sort of stayed on the active side and then dabbled in the passive along the way. So it really, this journey really started when I started investing out of state like Julie did. It sort of opens your eyes because you cannot invest out of state accidentally. (laughs) 
You can't do it the same way that you buy a house that you're house hacking because you're living there. But when you invest out of state, you have to have a spreadsheet. You have to look at the numbers. You have to talk with multiple people because you're not there. You have to build that team. And so once I did that, I was like, okay, I could do this. Quickly, we amassed a whole bunch of properties in Huntsville, Alabama, had never lived in Huntsville, didn't know anybody in Huntsville, <laughs> but thought it was a good market. We bought a bunch of properties there and things were going really well for like two, three months. <laughs> and then all of a sudden things started to go wrong. We had inherited a bunch of tenants, right? So yeah. things started to like not go right. And I was like, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden things, more and more things, it was like surprise maintenance, vandalism, theft, like all this stuff we had never dealt with before. And mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? Like, what? I was not prepared for this. I didn't, <laughs> this is not what land being yeah. a landlord is all about. This is not what yeah. house hacking was about. And there was a steep learning curve there. Mm-hmm. And that's when I discovered passive investing, I was like, oh my gosh, you mean I could have put my money into real estate and not have to <laughs> deal with all of this. I didn't even know that was a possibility. And, but at that time I was like, well, I still, you know, I know how to do this. Let me help my friends and family be that passive investor. And so that was sort of, I was sort of doing both at the same time. Julie, what about you? And by the way, and I can totally empathize right now. I'm in a, a standoff right now with one of my tenants in Kansas City. He's not supposed to be using the fireplace at all. It's in his lease. Don't use the fireplace. And you know, there's an issue with the fireplace. We didn't know about it. We have to correct it. But he's like, I'm not playing rent until I can use the fireplace. I'm like, what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to go, guys. Yeah. Anyways, so Julie, you know, you know, I know you were far more intentional making that transition mm-hmm. from, you know, from active to passive. But what does that what you know, what does passive investing allow for you? Like, you know, where are you going with this personally with your investing? Yeah, I mean, well, I think I'll back up a little bit to go back to like why I even started doing it in the first place. My son now is about five, a little over five. His birthday's in July. And when I was pregnant with him, we had some issues and health health scares with him and with me. And it really, there was a moment in time, a whole weekend where I had to live with thinking that I might have some kind of health issue. And I had no idea. And I had to go in on Monday for an MRI. MRI to find out the results. And I just, when I went in that day on Monday to the MRI, I thought the doc was going to say, you know, bad news, here's this and that. And he just went in there and he's like, I just am not finding anything that reflect what we saw in the test results. Anyway, long story short was that I realized in that week and I asked myself, I had like some serious conversations with myself because when you're faced with health issues, that's what you do is you think about what is really important to you and what do I want out of this life and what am I doing and, you know, where, what does this all mean and how can I make it more impactful and more meaningful? And so then it was around the same time when we were looking to sell or actually we had already sold and I think we, we were in some out of state rentals And, but same thing, you know, I bought a couple of rentals and one of them I had, I bought from a wholesaler 
It was a nightmare. I bought it from a wholesaler, rehabbed the property, FaceTiming with a contractor from 2000 miles away, who knows what he wasn't showing me, right? And then put it on the market th the week of Thanksgiving and nothing, right? Crickets, obviously. And it sat for like two months vacant. And then in that time that it was vacant, somebody broke in, they dragged, tried to steal this old refrigerator, like a 20 or 30 year old refrigerator, okay? Out of the house and dragged it across the brand new vinyl plank flooring I had just just installed and had to have the, you know, all of that fixed. Finally found a renter in like March after it sat empty and it was, and then found the renter and he paid rent for like two months and then he stopped paying rent. So then we had to go through the eviction process, which as you know, I don't know if you ladies have been through that. My guess is you might've. And that was another pain because it sat without no, you know, no rental income. So it sat for almost a year with like two months of rent after I had poured money into it. Anyway, same thing, realize that this is, you know, where do I want to spend my time not fixing rental properties and talking with my property manager about somebody breaking in and dragging a refrigerator across the vinyl plank flooring that I just installed. And so, you know, I knew that I wanted to spend more time with my family, right? I had that health scare and I was like, I need to be, where do I want to be? Where do I need to be? I want to be with my family. So I thought, okay, I'm going to buy apartments. But then I quickly realized that to buy an apartment, as you know, you ladies both know, a lot goes into buying an apartment. And so I was easily discouraged by that. I was like, okay, there's no way I'm going to be able to buy this apartment on my own. I'm going to have to find a partner. And that's when I started talking to different people. And just like Annie discovered, oh my gosh, wait a minute. You mean I can get the cash flow? I can get the tax benefits, I can get the appreciation, but I don't need to deal with all the other headaches of being a landlord. And the person I was speaking with was like, yep, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and so I'm like, this can't be real, right? This, that, and that same thing, like a lot of our investors think I had the same thing. I was like, this can't be real. And I just dove at, you know, headfirst into educating myself. And that's why I always tell people when they come to us, the first thing you need to do, educate yourself, not go out there and start investing educate yourself so that you know what you're getting yourself into. And so that's what I did. And maybe about four or five months later, I made my first investment as a passive investor. But the whole reason to answer your question, why I wanted to do this was because I wanted to be more present in my home. At the time when I was doing these rental properties, I was commuting two to three hours a day on the road. Kids would be in daycare till six o'clock at night, right? I'd come and pick them up. We'd have an hour or two to bathe, eat dinner, share some stories before it was bedtime. And that was it. And I would, you know, and then the weekends were filled with activities and I'd hardly ever see them. And I knew that I wanted to be more present in the home. I wanted to be the one to pick them up from school at three o'clock, not go into the day after school daycare. And so really that continues to be the reason that I look for passive opportunities is so that I can have my money work for me so that I don't have to. It's pretty simple, right? Like at the end of the day, if my money can go out there and I think Kiyosaki talks about this in the little purple book, right? Like think of your money as slaves, have them go out there and have it work for you so that you can focus on doing other things that are meaningful and important to you and have, you know, allow you to be able to impact other people's lives as well. So that was my very long answer to your <laughs> short question. <laughs> oh, totally. Well, and for our listeners who are just kind of new into real estate and are listening to this and your story, that purple book we're referring to is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. My favorite, the follow-up is the Cashflow Quadrant. So I think yep. it's 
totally great to read both books that gives you kind of a primer on like exactly what you said, Julie, like how to take your money and move it, you know, not trade your time for money, you know, and make your money be an employee and go out and work and kind of earn an income from you. Yeah. And it's that book that really helped me. So you you asked like, how do you get the mindset shift? Mm -hmm. That, that it was that book that allowed me to think about the money that I have in a different way and how, what I wanted to then do with the money. And then real estate just became the vehicle to carry out everything that he explained in that book. And so if anyone out there is like struggling and they don't, they don't feel like they're, they're there yet and they don't feel comfortable and they don't really understand like how this all works and you know, what makes it all tick, read that book because that was really the intro for me. I still remember I read it. I listened to the audiobook in, I think it was in 2016, the fall of 2016. And I told my husband, I said, you got to read this book or listen to this audiobook because in 5 years we're not going to be working anymore and he was we were both working you know full time jobs commuting he's like yeah sure honey sure whatever and i'm like <laughs> oh by the way i just read that book and i just i just bought a house from somebody that i never met and a house that i never saw and i just wired them you know a bunch of money he's like you did what and i'm like trust me it's all going to be fine and of course it wasn't until the money started rolling into the bank account that he was like ah okay talk to me this is this is interesting and that became kind of the the entries to everything that we do now. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. I know that Annie, you have a similar story. I have a similar story myself. I do want to transition and try to, you know, because you guys kind of mentioned it, but how did Good Egg form? Where did, you know, you guys were going down these separate real estate paths, but how did you guys, you guys met at a conference, but what happened from there? We did. We did meet at a conference. We met at a conference, what was that, 2018, early 2018. Mm -hmm. And when you go to any commercial real estate conference, you know that it's going to be mostly guys in suits with ties. (laughs) And so Julie and I were one of the few women there. And so we met at that conference. We were in slightly different places, but not too far apart. Julie had been, she was still working her job and um, she had been raising capital for these deals on the side and trying to figure that out, trying to, she had her business, Lamb Capital Group at that point. I came to the conference having just literally quit my job the week before had no business, had no real plan. I was just like, I'm burning the boats. I want to do this thing and I'm going to do it. I, I still remember my business card didn't even have a like a logo or anything on it. It was just me and like my, my Gmail address. And it was like, okay, I'm going to figure this thing out, guys. But Julie and I at that conference, we had this spectacular conversation about how our vision and how we both wanted to create a business where we could help other women, help other moms to learn about the power of passive income because we both had seen that firsthand. Mm-hmm. We were both had we both had young children and we knew what a busy life that was. And we knew if we could just get this information and these opportunities into the hands of other moms, it would change the world. Mm-hmm. And we both had this vision and we were like, oh my gosh, we're so fired up about mm-hmm. it. But then the conference ended. So 
So then Julie goes home. I didn't know this, but Julie goes home on Sunday and puts her in her notice at her job on Monday. And so she <laughs> All because of Annie. Training. All because of Annie. Because she, I still remember we were at the after hours thing at the conference and we were standing around and it was dark and whatever. It's like, I think it was me, you and somebody else. And you were sipping your cocktail and you're like, yep, I just quit. I just quit my job. And I got two young sons at home and I'm going to do this. And I was like, I was just like, oh my gosh, like so inspired by her commitment to what she was doing. And, you know, the risk, there's obviously a lot of risk that you have, that you're going to take by quitting your job. And, and she just inspired me. And I was like, you know what, if she can do it, I'm going to do it too. And just marched into the office on Monday and was like, I'm sorry, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll get back to our conversation with Whitney in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with Whitney Hutton. So then at this point though, we still had no partnership. She was, Julie was doing her thing. I was going to do my thing. And then we did, we did that for a couple months and we saw each other at a couple of other events. And finally we were like, you know, let's just get together in the city. We both live in the San Francisco Bay area. And we said, let's just get together in the city for some coffee. Let's just catch up and just see, you know, what are you doing in your business? What am I doing in mine? So we got together and at this point, she'd been full on in her business for what, like two months at that point, something like that, like full time. And I had been like, same, but like blogging and really creating content. And so I remember sitting across the table and Julie, because she had thought a lot about what she wanted in a partner. So she was like, unbeknownst to me, she was like checking. She's like, what is this person really into? So she's like, so Annie, now that you've been in the business for a while, what do you really love about it? And I said, oh my gosh, hands down, 
<clears throat> if I could create content all day long, like just hole up in a corner and just create blogs, create videos, I would be in heaven. But you know what? It's the investor calls. They just break up my day and then I can't be creative in between. And then I'm like, ah, it just messes up the whole thing. And, and mind like, you, hold on. I want to interrupt right there because mind yes. you on my side of it, right? Annie's yeah. saying this and I'm <laughs> sitting there like seven months into creating Lamb Capital Group, struggling, busting my butt, you know, working as hard as I can, my W2 and my, my, my side hustle business. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, gosh, there's the thing that I struggle the most with is content creation. And I knew that if I just had someone to help me with the content creation who shared the same vision, that I'd be able to reach more people because I was spending crazy amounts of time, hours sometimes talking with an investor to really get them from this sounds interesting, but I'm super skeptical to, Hey, yes, I want to invest. It's a long journey to get from that. And so I knew if the content piece of it was there, that it would really decrease that amount of time. So mind you, as Annie's sitting there saying <laughs> that, right, I'm sitting there thinking like, Oh my gosh, like this could be the perfect partnership. You know, our vi it's like, you know, the vision and the mission was already there. So that part of it, that box was kind of already checked. And so when she had said that, that was what she wanted to do. I just, it was, it was just like, oh my goodness, we need to, we need to talk. So, yeah. Well, cool. I think one question that I get quite often, and I did get it in my survey, but I get it all the time on um, when I'm talking to investors on the phone is just like, what is the investment philosophy around good? I mean, people understand the branding, the mission, vision values, but what, you know, what's the core investment philosophy here? Yeah. I mean, I think everything kind of goes back to capital preservation. At the end of the day, you know, when I look at my own investments, and I know this is true for Annie as well, we're always looking for the something that will allow us to grow our wealth with the least amount of risk possible. And that is something that she and I have always done, I think, previous to us even meeting. And then now that's carried on into our passive investments. Me first as a passive investor, that was always the primary thing I was looking for was at the end of the day, sure, an 18, 25% annualized return would be amazing, right? If that happened. But at the end of the day, if I park my money somewhere and where, you know, it's never about like risk elimination. It's always about risk mitigation. That's what I always say, right? And so, you know, when we think about what we look to do, it's always where can we place our money that it's going to be where it's going to be preserved and where can we then have an opportunity to grow it? And so that's what we look for is we look for safe investment opportunities that mitigate or hedge the risk that is exposed to investing in real estate, investing in multifamily, and investing in value-add deals. And we look for opportunities that allow us to grow our wealth with the least amount of risk, but still offer a pretty substantial return, something like what you would typically see you know, in the deals that we, that we bring, which is, it's not a bad return for being a passive investor. But I would say that's capital preservation is really at the heart of everything that we do. We always look at every opportunity from that lens of, you know, is, is our money personally and our investors money going to be safe? And that's kind of always been the primary thing. Annie, you want to stack on that? Yeah. And the reason for that, right, is because our target audience, we got into this to help moms and busy families. And the last thing that a busy mom or busy parent wants to think about is, oh my gosh, I'm afraid of losing my money. 
Mm-hmm. Right? They've got all this money that they've worked so hard for. They've taken time away from their children to learn about these investment opportunities. Yep. So they finally pull the trigger, they wire their money, they're like, oh, phew, check that one off my box. I can go back yeah. to the carpool and the, you know, the activities, being with my mm-hmm. kids. The last thing we need them to worry about is, oh my gosh, am I going to lose my money tomorrow? What is this monthly update going to look like? Is is there going to be like loss of capital? Am I going to need to put more capital in? That is the last thing we want them to worry about. So we got into this knowing, okay, if we are going to put out an investment opportunity, it has to be number one, as low risk as possible and safe and someplace that people just feel good about putting their money so that they don't have to worry about that piece, so that they can spend their time with their families, pursuing their passions, doing all the things that they love in life. And it all comes from that capital preservation first and foremost. Love that. Yeah. Okay. So you guys have both touched on a little bit earlier that you guys were attracted to the multifamily space. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's probably what, you know, I'm assuming that's what the impetus of forming good egg, you know, Mm -hmm. where where the investment foundation is, but what other investments, I mean, where do we see like good egg going and, you know, what is the investment profile going to look like for investors? Can you guys speak a little bit to that? Yeah. You know, talk first, Annie, I want to have you talk as well, but I mean, I think, you know, part of the reason that we focus on multifamily in the first place is just going back to that capital preservation. It's something that we know well. It's something that we're, you know, in the industry, we're very well connected. So we we hear about things, we know what's going on. We, you know, understand sort of the fundamentals of what makes a deal tick, what's bad, what's good, what markets, you know, move in multifamily, which ones are the ones to stay away from, who are the partners and, and all of that stuff. So, you know, it's hard when you start to diversify into different asset classes and you don't have a core focus anymore. And that's always something that I always look for when I look for partners to invest with. It was always like, well, are they investing in Texas, you know, Florida, you know, the Midwest, East Coast, West Coast? Like, are they all over the place or do they have a core focus? And every partner that we've always brought to the table, they have a core focus, right? Wh- whatever market is, that's where they're at. And typically, they don't invest in any other market outside of that one. And so I think moving forward, we will always focus on multifamily just because it's what we know, like, and love. And I don't know that we'll venture off, but that doesn't mean that we won't. It really depends on the opportunity. We're always looking for other opportunities that offer the the growth that we talk about and the preservation that we talk about. And so if something you know changes in the future where we might you know be able to offer that opportunity with extreme certainty that it's a solid opportunity, solid market, solid partners, and the fundamentals we thoroughly understand, then we would, you know, we might venture off into that. But I think for right now, multifamily will continue to be the core of what we do. I think just to add to that, I think um, such a big part of you talk, we just talked about investment philosophy, right? So such a big part of our investment philosophy is not only growing our investors money, but having that money do good in the world. And that's what this podcast is all about, right? Investing for good. And it's been central to Good Egg Investments from the very beginning. Every investment we put out, we think about, is this investment not only good for our investors and growing their wealth, but also is it making an impact in the world? 
And so when we look across the different asset classes, multifamily gives us an opportunity to have a win-win for both, a win for our investors and a win for these local communities, because we're going in, we're helping to revitalize these communities. And we've tried self-storage, we've tried other asset classes, but it's just not the same. When you say, we're going we're gonna to build some new self-storage units, people, it just doesn't have as big of an impact. So, but when you talk about multifamily, you're talking about real families, real people's lives. These are what people call home. This is where they're going to have their memories. And to be able to have a hand in creating those communities, revitalizing those communities, that is everything that we're all about. Awesome. Yeah. I also like to you need to think about it in terms, at least for me, like when you say core focus, you know, my core focus in my portfolio is multifamily, but I, I think of it, I, I come from public health, like you have to check those box for your basic needs. Shelter mm-hmm. is one of them. And how yep. can you provide clean, affordable shelter really drive impacts for people's lives? So, I mean, that's how I started off as a good egg investor and, you know, now with good egg, I love it. <laughs> So I would love to kind of wrap up a little bit and bring it back to some personal questions. So as you guys are thinking down this path of financial independence, Mm -hmm. what is your goal? And I think investors want to know if you've hit your box, what what would you do next? Uh (laughs) I'll speak to that because we're nearing the five years. As I mentioned, we read that book in 2016 and 2021, October will be five years since I told my husband that we were going to leave our jobs and be retired and, you know, live the dream. And so we're working on it. We're not, we're not quite there yet, but you know, what I would do if, you know, we had you know, hit all the numbers and we were there is travel the world. And that's something that I want to do so badly. I've been wanting to do it for, for years now. Before I even got real serious into real estate, it was, it was like a dream, really. It was something that I thought maybe I'll do. And a lot of people do this, right? They think I'll do this with my family when I'm 65 and I'm retired and they wait and they work and they wait and they wait and wait. And if you're lucky, you get to 65 and then you have time, you know, you're granted more time on this planet and you get to live out all of those dreams. And, but for me, that's what I would do. So, yeah. Awesome. What about you, Annie? Yeah, I thought a lot about this question and, you know, we're not quite there yet either, but we're well on our way. And, you know, I don't, part of going on this journey was really just discovering, you know, if money were not an issue, what would I do with my time? And every year, my husband and I have sat down to intentionally look at that vision, re reimagine that vision and think, okay, what's one thing we can do this year from wherever we are to get closer to that point? And so we're at a point now where you know, I don't know that my life would look too much different if that (laughs) box were checked. Maybe we would get a slightly bigger house. Maybe we would give a little, we would definitely give a little bit more, you know, maybe little things in our life would change. But I think that's the beauty of going on this journey is being intentional about what our life by design would look like. And we've been doing that. We've been building slowly and steadily towards that. And so I'm hoping that by the time we check that box, it won't make any difference at all. It won't make any difference. We'll be like, oh, there we go. We hit it. Let's drink a glass of champagne. Let's just keep living our life. You know? So I think that's the hope. I think one thing for me though, too, that 
every, almost every guest that we have on our show here always talks about is when they've hit that financial freedom or they've hit that point of, you know, being able to cover their expenses. What do they go out and they do with their time? They don't go and sip margaritas on an island, right? We always talk about this and we ask them, well, why not? Why not just go out there and do that? And what it always comes back to is that people now have the time freedom to do the things that they're good at and do the things that they love to do and have that help other people. And that's so much of a piece of, for me, why I'm doing this here at Good Egg and on this show is because it's not just about me and my family and being able to travel and live a great life, but it's how can I serve and how can I have an impact? And so, so much of that is so central to what we do here in the business and what we do on the podcast and how it all started in the first place was wanting to share and wanting to help other people. And so, you know, once we get to that point, I will have more time freedom to then, you know, devote myself to helping other people. And I, I feel like we do that through this business. And so that for me is, is something else that has been so powerful and impactful to, you know, not to have to trust off to a W-2 anymore and to be able to do this with you lovely ladies here and, you know, educating and helping other, other people get into real estate. So yeah, just wanted to add that because I think that's so central to us and what we do. So no, absolutely. You guys, when you have a guest on the show, have a little impact round <laughs> and I would have liked to ask you oh a question as an impact round. Yeah. Anyways. So let's see, what is your best piece of investing advice that you could share? With our group. Annie, would you like to go first? Sure. My best piece of investing advice, this goes back to that very first property we did with pretty much, you could say we almost had a blindfold on back of the napkin <laughs> calculations is just do it. I think it's so easy these days to get caught in analysis paralysis because there's so many blogs, so many podcasts, so many books out there now that tell you the right way to do it. And it's easy to get stuck and lose momentum and to say, oh, you know what? I'll just do this next year. I'll do this. I'll pick this back up when I have more time. And then you never get to it. And people are so afraid to get into an investment and lose a tiny bit of money well, think of that just as your tuition, right? Mm -hmm. You can't learn you can't learn anything major without paying a little bit of tuition. So if you lose money, that's your tuition and you'll learn more and you'll do better next time. But do not mm -hmm. shy away from it because of because of analysis paralysis. Love that. And, you know, for me, I would just say the number one thing that I think um, people need to have to find success in the real estate space is persistence because you're going to be hit all the time. Every corner you turn, it's going to be something that's going to come up that's going to make you feel like, ah, this isn't for me or, ah, this is, this was a huge mistake. I just lost money or, you know, man, that partner just screwed me over or, you know, all these different things. And at the end of the day, if you are persistent and you are are committed to this, you will win the game. And that's that's the simple thing. And and for me, I've faced a lot of obstacles in in you know all of the years that we've been investing, but I persisted and I persisted and I persisted and I didn't give up. And so I think that's something that if you can remember that when times get tough, because they will, that you gotta you gotta persevere and you gotta persist, you gotta push through. And you and you once you get there, you're gonna be so grateful and thankful to yourself that you did. So that's what I would offer up. Awesome. So next question, how are you guys investing in yourselves? Julie, you want to start? 
Yeah. So as Annie mentioned, majority of the stuff that I've typically done, once I found multifamily syndication as a passive investor, I dove head <laughs> head first <laughs> into the waters and I've been drinking the Kool-Aid ever since. So majority of the stuff that I like to do is passive investing in multifamily syndications. However, more recently, as you ladies know as well, I've tried to transition the focus a little bit more on my own personal investments. And so that's something that you know I would encourage people out there to think about diversification, right? If you aren't already. Most people do. But having something for yourself that you own and you control, and then also having something that's a little bit more passive that maybe with a little less control. And so for me, I'm kind of building both both streams. You guys are obviously very good at that and have done really well at that. And But for me, I've been so focused on the multifamily syndication stuff that this year for me has been a lot about, you know, scaling in my personal portfolio and doing smaller investments like, you know, flip investments and single family homes, smaller duplex and things like that. So, yeah. And for us, you know, I think a lot of times when we ask this question, we ask people, you know, how has investing helped you to create a better life for yourself? And for us, it's, you know, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but it's really living that life by design and knowing, knowing, even knowing what that looks like for us. Because I think before we just went through life like most people do. We went to work, we'd come home, we'd play with the kids, we'd put them to bed and we'd watch a little Netflix and we'd go on to the next day, rinse and repeat over and over again. And we never thought, well, if we could choose, what would life look like? Because we thought we had no choice. We thought, well, mm-hmm. it's either this 40-hour-a-week job or this 40-hour-a-week <laughs> job. Well, which one am I going to choose? That was the extent of the choice we thought we had. But once we got into this entrepreneur space, once we got into real estate investing, we realized, wait a second, there's a lot more options here. And so let's just take all the things we thought were our limitations before. Let's take them off the table Let's just start from scratch. And so that is what this process has allowed us to do is really think about, okay, what are the pieces that we want in our life? Let's intentionally do that. Whether we thought we were limited or not, let's figure out a way to do that. And so we're slowly and steadily building that life by design. Amazing. I am just, you know, I have I'm always so inspired by both of your stories. I mean, and I think a lot of our listeners will be too, because you guys didn't, you know, it was ready, fire, aim, right? You, you, mm-hmm. you didn't have the master plan. Yeah. There was no knowing like exactly what that number was that you were going to hit, what life, you know, having that master plan as far as like what life will look like after you hit your mm-hmm. finance, financial independence number. And I think so many of our listeners can be inspired by the fact that it's just a matter of like pulling the trigger, getting started, finding that team that can help you achieve your goals and diving in head first. So thank you so much for allowing me to, you know, better tell your stories today. Thanks. Thank you so much, Whitney. This is so much fun. We're going to have you back. (laughs) Perfect. I would love to be back. All right. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast, and be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.